0: Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, my fine friends. Welcome to the 100th episode of the Tom Petty Project podcast. I am your host, John Paulson. This is the weekly podcast that digs into the entire Tom Petty catalog, song by song, album by album, and includes conversations with musicians, fans, and people connected with Tom along the way. Today, I'm talking with Kevin Brown, host of the Tom Petty Project podcast, which today is celebrating its 100th episode. How are you doing, Kevin? I'm doing very, very well. Excellent job on the intro too, John, may I say. I'm bad at reading things, but I think I got (laughs) through it on the second try. So here we are. Uh, What a journey it's been for you. Uh, hundred episodes. Um, What's your personal Tom Petty journey? How did you get into this music? Uh, Well, I
1: think, you know, like everyone, I definitely heard Free Falling," Won't Back Down, Running Down a Dream, because Full Moon Fever was just ubiquitous. It was a worldwide hit. Everyone knew that record. But I think... My first real sort of exposure to him would have been the Wilburys because my dad's a huge Beatles fan, as am I. And so he definitely would have been into because George Harrison was his favourite Beatle, as should be everyone's favourite Beatle. Um, and so the Wilburys, I think, was my first exposure. And it was that thing of, well, who's this Tom Petty kid who's hanging around with, you know, Roy Orbison, Bob Dylan, Jeff Linn and George Harrison, because I didn't have that context of him being being anyone, right? So I didn't know who he was. And then, so that's the first time I definitely would have heard his voice. On Cool Dry Places, my probably my favorite Wilbury song which obviously tom sings lead on um so that's kind of i think how i floated into it and then when i moved to canada and i'd say about probably nine ten years ago is when i started going back and listening to the catalogue because i'm sure you do the same like you'll, you'll find a new artist or someone you listen to and they've got an extensive back catalogue It's like right on man now i get back to go back and listen to years and years and years of evolution and so that was sort of when i started realizing that oh wait a minute this isn't just american girl you know, free fall in some of these big hits that I knew this guy really is a seriously good songwriter. And then as soon as I got to wildflowers, it was game over and I was put hook line and sinker. Right. Cause that album just, uh, just blows you away the first time you hear it.
0: So what prompted you after that sort of journey to start the podcast D- digging? Cause I've always looked, you know, every year or so, I look to see if there's a, a podcast dedicated to Tom Petty's music and you know, you search Apple Podcasts, you search Spotify podcasts, the other podcast platforms, and there's the occasional episode that kind of focuses on a, an album, or you know, there was there was an emergency podcast when he uh, passed away, a couple of guys talking about his music, but never never a, a whole podcast, an entire podcast dedicated to his music. So, what prompted you to start it? Um, definitely,
1: sort of the idea that I really you know, sitting down one day and I had a few beers um, and was listening to Tom Petty and thought, you know, I should, I had a sort of a gap. I'd done a podcast with my friend, Randy, um, about a year and a half before. And it just sort of, you know, we did a season of it and it just sort of petered out um, through no lack of wanting to do it, just time and these kinds of things. But I thought, well, for me to do something like this, I can manage this. It's going to be, I think, 10 minutes an episode. I can do one a week. It's something I can do on my own. And maybe I'll find some nuggets of of little songs and things that, you know, I'll, I'll get into. So it was sort of a way for me to discover the back catalog in a little bit more depth. Um, and also just for something to do, because I like, I enjoy being creative and I enjoy podcasts. And I think it's a fun thing to do. So I thought, well, yeah, that seems like a good thing to do. So I thought, you know, there's 16 albums, so that'll be great. It'll take me about two and a half years and that'll be cool. And then I found out about American Treasure and Playback and all the live stuff and all the other deep ones. It's like, oh, this is going to be quite a bit more of a project. And, uh, and it just ballooned out from there. So yeah. Well, and I should say to you, the other thing, this stupid, naive thing was, I thought, man, going song by song through an artist catalogue, this is going to be totally unique. I bet no one else has ever done this. But of course, there's hundreds of these podcasts out there. I was like, oh, all right, well, maybe I'm not quite the genius I thought I was.
0: Well, nobody had ever done it for Tom's Music, so thank you. I'm sure there are plenty of fans out there that are happy that you took on this labor of love. Uh, but how did you decide on the format? Did you kick around a, a few different formats or did you did the format come to you right away? Yeah, I I
1: had a, I should go back sometime and have a look at my sketchpad because I had I sat down for about a week when I decided, yeah, I think I should do this. I thought, well, exactly that. What am I going to do? Am I going to, how do I rate these? Do I, do I rate them? Do I give them ratings? Do I go through and play the song in the episode? I thought looking into copyright and those kind of things, well, that seems to be a bit of a sticky wicket, so I don't know if I want to get involved with that um do I have a do I get a co-host do I get someone to talk about is it going to be can I carry a podcast I don't know so I actually recorded a couple of demos so to speak and sort of threw them at a a friend of mine I said is this like do I sound like an idiot like am I knowledgeable enough about music to talk about this am I talking about the right things they're like yeah you could do this you could do that and I think that the bringing in the petty trivia was a big thing too because that sort of was a nice break point in the middle of an episode to sort of Stop me rambling on and on and on about the minutiae of music for a little while and sort of throw something in there that I can maybe get a bit of engagement with online or whatever. So, so yeah, so it was just sort of a, a fairly natural process, but I definitely did tweak it. And it's funny going back and listening to the first couple, three episodes, my speech is so labored and sort of, cause I haven't got my flow yet. Like you said, reading something, people don't realize like reading from a script, it's harder than you think it's going to be. And so when I record my episodes, if the episode say is, I don't know, like say it's 15 minutes I've recorded 25 minutes because I stopped like coughing and spluttering and stumbling over my words. And then it's another like, you know, hour and a half to edit. So it, you know, it it sounds easy and concise, but people should try it now and again.
0: Yeah. It's tough to having done this on both ends, being the host occasionally and uh, the the guest quite often, it's definitely a different monster when you are by yourself doing a podcast that you're kind of reading from script, which you've written because you want to get all this information Across to the listener, uh, and and you, and you stumble here and there. You want to make it perfect, so you go back and do it again. It's a it's definitely a big challenge uh, to record. Um, so that kind of brings me to my next question. You know, maybe other than getting through each episode without stumbling, what have the, been the biggest challenges with the podcast?
1: Well, I mean, like any podcast, right? it's Trying to find out how do you get people to listen to this thing. Where where are my people at, right? So stumbling across the Tom Penny Nation on Facebook was a huge thing right because th- that really is a-, a condensed really sort of rabid sort of fan base that's just there accessible now of course like, you can't sort of promote stuff on that page so it makes it a little bit tricky getting around some of that stuff but that was kind of the, the biggest thing was well how do is, any- is anyone going to listen to this because I mean the- and I think if we talked about this offline maybe once that I would have done it anyway like if I was only getting 12 listeners an episode I-, I would still do this because the benefits of doing it are not just you know there's no, I'm not making any money off it. Right. So the benefits from this are all sort of um, soft benefits. So it's me growing my appreciation for Tom's music and finding this little community and, you know, meeting people like you and and Gwen Jones and these other people who live on the other side of the world, but we've got this common connection. I found that actually they're really cool people as well. So, um, so yeah, I think that that would have been the, the biggest one. And then the other thing was trying to find out whether anyone would talk to me. And so God bless John Scott for straight off the bat sort of taking a, real swing on this indie podcast from Canada with no listenership and sort of agreeing to be my first sort of big guest on the show. So that was super cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And John Scott's such an important figure in Tom's uh, career. Uh, So quite the get for you. And I I think watching the podcast from afar, it was always one of my ideas in the back of my head that to, to to do a, a Tom Petty podcast, I was hoping to do something more album centric, just kind of more of a conversation. And when I, saw that you launched this, I hit you up and uh, we started chatting and I gave you my kind of pitch, but you were very open to having me on uh, and to talk about these album raps and, and to go through these uh, these albums, uh, discussing the best songs and songs maybe that we don't like as much and all these B-sides and everything yeah. like this, Just, uh, it gives me a chance to, to completely geek out. So I appreciate you having me on. And the other thing I would say is that, you know, as you start a podcast, especially with something like this, which is Tom's music. It's so timeless is that your listenership, you may find that it grows over time. Uh, You know, people finding the podcast later on and it might be 30, 40, 50, hundred episodes in before uh, you find your, your, your complete listenership and maybe not even then. I mean, I think you, yeah. years go on, people are going to come back and find this podcast. So it'll be there till the end of time, Kevin. So I hope you Absolutely. feel good about that. <laughs> is it, what is, is it? Uh, it's a document,
1: but, right? It's a document. And that yeah. one of the one thing that I just was, wasn't was deliberate that I found, and I'm, or I'm pretty sure from talking to other podcasters that said that, yeah, that was a good move, was I just named the episodes, the title of the song, right? So because the name of the podcast is the Tom Petty Project, and you've got the name of the song in there, so people are searching the song on Spotify, they're going to stumble across it every now and again. So I'm sure I get some accidental listeners just from, from that sort of accidental, you know you know, a bit of an accidental bit of genius.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I do wish that the copyright stuff wasn't such an issue and that we could play the music as we talk about the albums and you could play the songs. Uh, It makes it a little bit more difficult, but uh, hopefully everybody can find the music uh, the proper way and listen to it around your your podcast. So my last question before we get into some trivia is, uh, you know, what have been the biggest surprises in doing the podcast? Like what what things have popped up that you really weren't expecting uh, as you got into it? Wow. That's a good question.
1: I think, like I said, I mean, I think definitely one of the surprises is that I've been, that people like John Scott, Paul Zolo, you know, um, Jeff Slate, Jake Thistle, they, they sort of that they want to I, anything to do with this indie podcast because, like I said, there's no reason for those people to jump on my podcast. They're not really going to get that many more sales out of it. Certainly, John Scott wasn't at that point because my listenership was really low back then. Um, so just that sort of. I was surprised by how how many people are so passionate about not just Tom's music, but Tom as well. I didn't know that. Because until you get into the fandom, the music's the music and you love the music, but you don't realize there's this whole community uh, that kind of rally around Tom's ethos and his his values and all this kind of stuff, right? So I didn't know any of that. So that was a pleasant surprise. Um, And then I think the other one was really, I always go back to this, but it's how much more appreciation I have for him as a songwriter now. Just because until you really sit, or for me anyways, until you really sit and listen under headphones and listen carefully to each individual part, you can dismiss some of these songs as sort of throwaway pop songs, but there's so much going on in them and they're very deliberately and very cleverly put together that that's just been a joy. As a huge music nerd, I just love that stuff, right? That's what I listen to in other podcasts. So to be able to, to get that into my own brain, that's been that's been huge.
0: And I, I said that was my last question, but now I have one more is Tom Petty your favorite songwriter?
1: Yes, absolutely. And he definitely wasn't when I started the podcast. I would say that. Was, that's that's what's changed is I've gone from being a, a big Tom Petty fan to thinking that he I generally think he's a better songwriter than Dylan, which I know is a strong call,
0: but I, I, I stand well, by I, it. I agree with it. <laughs> you know I do. All right, let's do a little Tom Petty trivia. Um, I wasn't sure how hard... How deep to go on this? I don't want to make you look bad, but also I'll start off with a which I think is a you know a slow pitch. Okay. Which famous drummer appears in the video for I Won't Back Down? Ringo. Okay. That was yeah. a, just <laughs> warm me up there. That's a softball beauty. I love it. There are two other guitarists that are famous that appear in the video. Can you name them? Not not counting Tom Petty or Mike Campbell. Oh, geez, no. Is George in it? George is in it. George Harrison. And, and specifically
1: a guitarist, not a singer guitarist, or is it? Because I'm trying to think uh, now.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, he's a singer guitarist. Oh, I do know this, and I can't think of it as. Who, who would have been around during Full Moon Fever?
1: Oh, um, no. Uh, oh, his name's gone. Uh, not Lindsay Buckingham? No. Well, that can't be Jeff, because, you know Jeff. Jeff is. Oh, okay. Jeff well, Jeff, I wasn't thinking, well, because I don't think of him as a guitarist, right? I always think of him well, as... he was
0: playing guitar. Yeah, girl, okay, right.
1: okay.
0: <laughs> yes, uh, George Harrison and Jeff Lynn were singing backup vocals, in the, at least in the video. I think that yeah. so does sound like them uh, on the recording as well. You might, you might know that. Um, For sure. So this is a... All right, now we're in the middle. We're going to get into a moderate question here. Tom Petty released five studio versions of songs with U.S. state names in the title okay can you name all five well california obviously yes uh you have to give me a second now to think about this it's all right this is the tough thing about trivia you get to, uh, have to vamp while the person thinks yeah. about the uh about the answers well not florida because there's just tampa bay and there's a few references to it. i'm trying to think now
1: yeah, you know, those are sitting there. There's five are, really. There's
0: five and I was I double checked this morning and you know maybe there I missed something but there's there's definitely five. Georgia? Yeah. Louisiana. Yeah. Georgia, Louisiana, Louisiana rain, driving yeah. down to Georgia. Yeah. Uh, California you got 3. Yeah. Uh, now these last two are a
1: little tougher. So are they album tracks or are they deep cuts B-sides?
0: Uh one is a something appeared on a box set, oh. not well known, and then the other pretty well known, but it's a little bit of a trick question.
1: That's a really good question. I'm trying to think of the other two now, okay? So I think I'm bottling myself in because I'm thinking Midwest, and that it probably isn't Midwest. You know what? I think you've got me. I think I might have to tap out on this, and I'm probably going to kick myself, aren't I? All
0: right, one was from the playback box set. Uh, it was the last track on the Nobody's Children disc. It's up in Mississippi tonight. Damn it.
1: How did I not get that one?
0: That's, that's, that's a pretty, pretty, pretty song that we need to discuss at some point. Yeah. And then the last one is a trick question. I thought this might be the one that you would blank on because technically the name of the state is in the title, but it's really a character's name, Leave Virginia Alone. Oh, good so work. I don't know if your yeah. head would like go no, that direction. With, I don't uh, think I would have done that one. But... Beautiful. So those I are... love it. So, all right. So I, you know, and maybe there's a, a giant Tom Petty fan out there that is screaming at their <laughs> podcast saying that you forgot blank, but this is what those are the five that I came up with. All right. So now you know I love chart performance and discussing uh, how Tom's music has done over the years. Uh, Tom Petty had 10 songs peak at number one on the U.S. rock chart. How many can you name?
1: I think I did this the other day.
0: Uh um, oh, you did? Well, I think I was looking through
1: it. I, I what well, I think I think it might have been one of my uh trivia questions, but I think I only I said which one wasn't. So uh, okay. On the rock chart, because I mean he didn't have a number one. So we're gonna obviously free falling, won't back down. Um uh running down a dream. Um was I don't think refugee was the waiting.
0: The waiting was wasn't it? yeah, the
1: waiting was. Uh nothing off southern accents. Was um oh uh you got lucky? Yes, you got five. Um uh into the Great Wide Open. Uh no. No. Let okay. me double check. I can't think of anything else. A full moon fever that would have been top ten. I don't think you're so bad. Would have made top, number one. So I'm going to go against the ground. Open. Wow, well, it's got to be around there though. Okay, so Wildflowers. Um, you got so you know five, it... right? You got Ma- five, right? Mary Jane's Last Dance. Yes. Six. You don't know how it feels. Yes, seven. Uh, I don't think Walls did. Nope. And I don't think anything afterwards did either. But I might be wrong on that one. So, I'm gonna have to go backwards then. Okay, so learning to fly? Yes, eight. Uh, okay, I, I, I said that I didn't think Refugee, but is Refugee? Did Refugee make it? Re- refugee away? did no, not. No, I didn't I con- think I, it did.
0: I, I confirmed that it did not.
1: I don't think anything off the first three albums did. So, I think the waiting was the first one. I, I could
0: confirm that. Yeah, okay.
1: So, long after dark, we've got you got lucky. I don't think anything else off the dark. Pretty sure nothing of, of Southern Acts. Oh, geez, at least of course. Um, don't come around here no
0: more. No. It didn't? It didn't. Oh. Okay, then. It peaked, at, it peaked at number two. Oh, I think, did Jamming Me hit number one? Jamming Me hit number yeah. one? So that's nine. This last one was the one I was like, both Jamming Me and this other track were the two okay. that I thought would stump you if something stumped you.
1: Okay, well, then maybe something did off one of the later albums
0: and I'm missing it. No, you're correct. Nothing, it's not off of, it's not off of anything past wild, Wildflowers. Yeah. I,
1: maybe it's off what?
0: Well, not honeybee, because I don't, think I phrased, I, I phrased that very, probably in a tricky, to you. In a tricky way. No, I don't know. I was released a single. You know what? I'm, I'll, again, I, I got nine out of 10. I'm pretty pleased did. with that. What's the 10th? Uh, the 10th is Out in the Cold from Into the Great Wide Open. Really? Into the Great Wide Open. Uh, wow peaked at four by the way the the track all right so two more finished at number two you named one of them uh in guessing uh don't come around here no more yeah one more track peaked at two and it was not off of anything after wildflowers Hmm. do you want to name it you want to try to name it you wreck me you wreck me very good you (laughs) you you did well you did well I think only, had, couple- only, had, only had two false guesses, so I yeah, 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 you did well. Like I was thinking, maybe <laughs> three or four false guesses. You did a good job. Um, also, uh, just scrolling down his wiki page, uh, he had three with with the Wilburys, Handle with Care," "End of the Line," and "She's My Baby," which I listened to again this morning to kind of because I kind of forgotten about that track off of That's Volume Three. Song. Those That's three finished um, the U.S. Rock chart peaked at number two uh of course stop dragging my heart around peaked at yeah. number two i really i don't consider that a tom petty track but and then uh he was on with roger McGuinn and king of the hill that also peaked at number two so interesting yeah it's crazy like though to too that the,
1: crazy things. too though that nothing after when you think about the quality of the songs after wildflowers but some of the stuff off you know echo last dj or mojo or any of those albums there's stuff there that really should have been charting higher than it did but
0: yeah, that was actually uh, something that might come up with my next question here. He had uh, four songs peak at number one on the AAA uh, chart, the Adult Alternative Airplay chart. Oh dear God! And that these these four do not overlap with the previous chart we were talking about. So these are four new songs we haven't discussed and the triple a chart i'll just the only hint i'll give you is that it kind of it seems like it came out later it it wasn't uh, throughout his whole career oh my okay well then if we go with um i should i should have known it mojo uh no that peaked it. at four it peaked at four okay that's a good guess That's a solid guess uh, swinging no swinging that one it did release that one that peaked at uh, 11 on the AAA and 17 on the modern, or on the US rock chart. Forgotten Man
1: did that? No. Because I know, well, because a guy did well, though, didn't it? That, I think that was the first album, or the only album that went to number one. So I was kind of thinking maybe one of the tracks off that one made it then.
0: Um, Forgotten which, Man uh, peaked at 24, and You Get Me High peaked at 2 off that. Oh, okay. Let's we'll go back a bit then, All or Nothing? Um, no. Seven Grace? You did. Oh yes, okay. Saving Grace. Okay, you did. Okay, so then that's one of the four. You did mention one of the other songs, in one of your guesses. I think you oh. referred to it earlier. I don't know not to scan back my brain. You're making me think, John. <laughs> Let's just say it's all. These are all off of albums after Wildflowers. Okay, not past Wildflowers. Yes, two. Okay. Let's flip over to the walls. Then there's one you're just not going to get.
1: So. Okay. So there's one left, one left that I can get and one left I've got yeah. no chance on. Okay, good. Well, you might get it, but I, I, yeah. I wouldn't have guessed it. Just by blind guessing. I'm like, okay. So yeah. let's just think through this through. Okay, so She's the One. You got walls and Angel Dream. I don't think Angel Dream would have hit number one. No. So I'm going to discount that one. Okay, so we go to Echo.
0: I will just mention, to fill the, fill the time here, the second biggest single from She's the One was actually Climb That Hill. It peaked at twelve on AAA and six on the rock chart.
1: Oh, cool! I didn't even realize he released that one. That's cool. Yeah, not as, not what you would think of as a single. Actually, thinking about that now, really, you know.
0: Uh, yeah, let's go to Echo.
1: Hint, hint. Yeah, so I mean, room at the top, but I can't see that. Room at the top. Room at
0: the top. Oh, really? You got it. Yes, oh, wow, okay. I thought you were gonna. I thought you were gonna guess Free Girl now. Which was five on the rock chart, three on the triple A, but Room at the Top peaked at one on Triple A. Oh, cool. And nineteen on the rock chart. So you got three. Uh, do you wanna just tap out on the last one? I mean Okay, it's... so give me the album and I'll try and work it from there. Well, okay. Uh I think I might give it away. It's the oh. it's the no... go ahead. Okay. Right. So it's
1: not off one of the studio releases or no one of the canonical one then. It's, it's off one of one of the yeah, because they released, oh, what was it? Shit. Um <sighs> I know what it is now, and I can't think of the bloody title. Oh, it was that one they released off. It's off um, American Treasure, right? Oh, uh, no, off oh. um, the next one after. Oh, for God's sake. I'm losing my mind. I can't it's remember. Off a play- of it. It's
0: off a of playback. It's off the Nobody's Children disc. I can't remember. Go on. Put me out of, put, put me out of my misery. Uh, waiting for tonight. Okay peaked at six on the u.s mainstream rock chart and number one on the u.s triple a i don't know it says other it's listed under other charted songs so i'm not sure how that relates to the proper singles that they released but that's a that's a great tune all right so that wraps up i think you know maybe you know the listeners are tired of me trying to prompt you to, <laughs> to, to pick, <laughs> get this trivia uh, that wraps up my trivia uh so i have the rapid fire questions that you typically ask your guests and i think it'd be fun if you have to answer them yourself so cool what's your favorite tom petty album and you can only pick one yeah so i've I've, I've, I've obviously asked these questions a lot of times
1: now so i've had plenty of time to think about my answers but surprisingly when i was thinking about these today i was like oh I- this is tougher than I thought it might be. Um, But it's Wildflowers, definitely. I mean, it's just that album is not only because there's 15 tracks on it and there's just the consistency is off the charts all the way through. The production is it's one of the best sounding records ever made. Um, And then obviously there's the tie into because of how important it was to Tom and what he was going through in his life. It's always going to be Wildflowers. I mean, Hard Promises would be my second probably. And then really let me up and you. Um, you're going to get it. it would be the two that I don't listen to quite as often. Um, but going through let me up this season has been, I've had my eyes open to a couple of songs that i would kind of glossed over a little bit. I think so. But wildflowers. Yeah. is my favorite.
0: Yeah. Let's say that for the album rap uh, yeah. podcast for let me up uh, a <laughs> lot to talk about there. Uh, wildflowers is a great choice. Certainly one that has moved up. It was already pretty high, but moved up in my rankings. Uh, like it's as I got older, as I yeah. got into Tom's age, uh, really, really, yeah it it hits you in the feels a lot of it uh second question mud crutch or the uh traveling wilburys traveling wilburys man it's just so much fun
1: that band you know and you know five guys with justifiable huge egos if they if they wanted to have them but just came into a room bashed out one song a day over 10 days and just had fun doing it they wrote music just purely for the joy and the love of doing it which is i think you know, It's easy to forget that when you get caught up in the, the corporate machine, but for those guys to step back and just do that, I thought it was, it was fantastic. That's up Wilburys all day.
0: Uh, side note, how cool is it, though, that, that uh, Tom went back, reformed Mud Crutch, released two albums, went on tour with a lot of those guys, yeah. and gave them the rock band experience that they maybe missed out on by not being able to keep that band together. That's just uh, Loyalty like it's just yep. incredible to me and, sa- and same comment
1: right you're doing it for the love of doing it there's no there's no commercial reason for tom petty to go back and reform mud crutch it's actually
0: all. a detriment it's Absolutely. a detriment to his commercial success because he's at yep. that point could have made more money with a, a heartbreakers album so just incredible uh third question if you could join the heartbreakers on stage for one song what would it be and what instrument would you play or would you sing Okay, well, I've got two answers because I can't play and sing at the same time. I just
1: don't have that switch. If I was going to play drums, I definitely want to play Honey Bee because that song is just so much fun to, and it's hard and aggressive. I mean, I'd love to be able to play Fault Lines and I have tried to death. I can play the notes, but I cannot get Steve Ferroni's swing. Like he's got a very specific swing and it's really hard to master. So um, so yeah, I think Honey Bee, If I was going to play drums. If I was singing, I want to do I Won't Back Down. Because who the hell doesn't want 30,000 people singing, hey, baby, right back in your face? That would be so freaking cool, man. So that I'd definitely pick that.
0: And do you think that, because you, you, did you pick Honeybee because you feel like you would not embarrass yourself with oh, that? Oh, I, I can play that song. Yeah, you can
1: play yeah. that one. Okay, I can play it. Honestly, a lot of this stuff off Wildflowers, apart from sort of some of the shuffle stuff that Ringo plays, because again, Ringo's just another one who's really hard to mimic as a drummer, but a lot of that stuff is fairly straight. There's not a lot of stuff on that album that's super, super complex. I can play, because that's what I do, right? I sit down with my electronic drums, plug in my iPhone, and I put songs on. I just drum along to them. So most of those songs I could pass. Honeybee, I played dozens and dozens
0: of times. But I'm pretty sure I've got that one nailed. Very cool. Fourth question. Who would be your dream opening act at a Tom Petty concert? You know, people don't hack the questions
1: often enough. I'm hacking the question here. So I'm not just having one opening act. This is Tom Petty. We're going big. And so this this, listen, check this out. This is going to be a great lineup. Okay, so act one, 30-minute set, Jackson Brown. Tom joins him on stage for the loadout. Act two, 30-minute set, Billy Idol. Tom joins him on stage for Eyes Without a Face. Act three, 45-minute set, Foo Fighters, when Taylor's still alive. Tom and Mike join them on stage for times like these. And then act four to close the night, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, and it's a three-hour Fillmore-esque set.
0: Yeah, you really you really thought about that that's that's incredible all right so uh question number five uh who is your favorite band member other than tom petty mike yeah it, it just I, I mean i love love ben Mon.
1: i think stan would be challenging to be around sometimes i think steve peroni would be great to hang out with scott thurston would be great and Howie obviously you know such a, a lovely man with too many problems but mike just seems like such an easy hang you know, he's a thoroughly decent human being, does the, the tassie, um the dog fund and everything, and obviously just a, a god level musician. Why wouldn't you want to hang out with that guy and sort of just watch what he's doing and learn? So Mr. Campbell, and he's also a style guru. He always just looks cool, man.
0: Yeah, uh, just one of the, well, I'll go to my deathbed saying maybe the greatest rock guitarist of all time. I don't know. I so At least the under, most underrated. Just yeah. perfect, just perfect compliment to Tom. That's why they stayed together for so long. Uh, sixth question. If you could see any Tom Petty concert from history, which one would it be? So I got this down to three,
1: and I've, I have had to pick one, but the three that I kind of narrowed it down to were the whiskey in '77 when they opened for Blondie. Because I just think when you see a band when they're still really fresh and really new, the energy you get from a bunch of musicians who still want it and they're hungry is totally different from a, a, a stadium rock act who are sort of just touring on. You know, sometimes on reputation. So seventy seven would be cool. The Gainesville show from Running Down a Dream, I think. You know, being in the crowd for that rendition of Southern Accents would have been very, very spiritual. um Or the last night at the Fillmore. I was looking back through. Have you seen? Have you ever looked at the set list for that last show at the Fillmore? Yeah, it's, it's incredible, insane. Forty songs, twenty three covers. Their encore was eleven songs. <laughs> like, so that would have been that would have been amazing. But I think, like I said, I think that we've got a lot of. Concert footage of Tom in his later years. I think that Whiskey in '77, and even seeing Blondie in '77 would have been freaking cool too. And I've, you know, it's easy to forget too that that's the that was the LA debut for both bands.
0: Neither oh, of those wow. bands have
1: played, so to get them both on stage in the same room, like my god, yeah, that would
0: have been. Super be, cool. It would be really hard to pass up the the '40 song. Oh, it uh, been. Fillmore.
1: There's tons, though, right? I mean, being in the crowd, like uh, Mike, uh, Michael Washburn brought up a good one where he said, like being in the crowd that night when tom told everyone to quit it with the battle flags just to see what the mood of that audience would have been and see if it shifted or whether if there's any real tension there that would have been cool too because obviously that was a troubled tour but the energy would have been completely different as well so that would be another one that we sort of a fourth outlier kind of thing that i would that i kind of threw in so
0: i'll accept that answer uh number seven uh walls circus or walls number three which is the better version?
1: yeah and i've i've modified this question in recent times to to say which is your favorite version right cuz better yeah that's a it's a bad a bad wording so that's on me um number 3 still because that's the version i heard first i think that's the closest to how it was written you know it's it's kind of it's that stripped down um super cool version but i've really come around to circus i've been very surprised by most people say circus you know when, when i want to ask this question
0: it's extremely catchy it is it's, it's very hooked, right did the lindsay buckingham he did backing vocals on that, right? Did he, he do shudded. backing vocals on three? No.
1: Okay. No, three is clean. Yeah. And, and I mean, my favorite version of the song, though, is the is that PBS live, the, the PBS special, the live version where he's got the the black polar neck on. It comes out and he says, "Hey, everywhere I look is me." It's just so cool. But I mean, and and one of the reasons I love that so much is because Scott Thurston's live harmonies on that song are just chef's kiss. It's so good. Yeah,
0: I picked uh, Wall Circus when I appeared on the uh, Last DJ on uh, Yeah Tom Petty Radio. That was. Love that song, uh, number eight. If you could pick any artist to cover any Tom Petty song, who would it be, and what would they cover? I've spent so long
1: thinking about this question, and I've actually put together a set list of about twenty. Like, if you're going to do a, a, a tribute concert, I've got I've, I've got my tribute concert nailed. But the one sort of really cool one that I think that most people maybe wouldn't think of is I'd love to hear ZZ Top do "Candy," and specifically ZZ Top in 1980 in the double down live show that's online. That's so, so cool. Um, and I realized that, you know, you need a bit of time travel to pull that off, but we're time traveling this already. So yeah, it's easy talk doing candy. I think would be just killer.
0: Yeah. You, I mean, you're making this up as you go. It's okay to time travel. You can do whatever you (laughs) want. (laughs) And I would say Uh,
1: too, I'll quickly just say though, the two, two of the best covers I've heard recently, I know that you've got a good um, Spotify playlist with a bunch of uh, covers and I don't know if you've got Phoebe Bridges, it'll all work out on there. If you haven't checked that out, it's really cool. Super, super cool. And then Cyber Attack's cover of Listen to a Heart, which I think I sent you offline. I don't know if you ended up listening to, but it's one that will give a lot of purists an absolute fit because it's so radically different that I just think it's killer. I think that's what art should be. And, you know, someone who's taken, a a young artist who's taken a 30-year-old song you know, don't just play the same thing on, the, on, on, on guitar and make it sound like Tom Petty. Make it your own and find out where the heart of that song is for you. And that's what this guy does on, in, uh, in CyberTax version. So.
0: Yeah, I posted, uh, I think, Freedom Fry's version of Mary Jane's Last Dance. And they sing it in French, I think, if I'm right. remembering correctly. And I really like it. I posted it on the Tom Petty Nation. And I got a lot of pushback that it was not very good. <laughs> but I like it. Music is subjective. Absolutely. Um. What song do you most frequently recommend to people who don't know Tom's music?
1: Yeah, th- this is the worst question I, I wrote for this list by far, because it's the dumbest question, right? Because it just depends on who the person is and what they like. Um, and when my mum said, Oh, you know, with your, with your, I've never really listened to Tom Petty. Can you send me a few songs? It was a 35 song playlist. Cause it's like, well, I can't leave this off. I can't leave that off. Um, but generally I think I'd, I'd go with free falling because it's, you know, I could probably make a decent argument that it's the most accessible yeah, brilliant pop song ever written by anyone. I think it's just perfect. It's a, one of those weird, perfect songs that you wouldn't change a single note or do anything. Well, some people would change Jeff Linn's production maybe, but yeah, so I'd, I'd probably
0: go Free Fallin'. And then imagine the person that doesn't know or hasn't heard Free Fallin'. But being in a room with someone who's never heard Free Fallin' and watching them listen to it the first time would be crazy cool. Yeah, I just don't know how you get through life not having <laughs> heard that song, uh, which was why I thought it was funny when Sam, Sam Smith got... um or, no, it was, was it I walked Back Down? I don't remember yeah, which song he got. Where he had, uh, he, see, I don't even know that song. I'm like, oh, I mean, come God. on, give me a break. That's, he got sued for, yeah. Anyway, uh, number 10, uh, please describe Tom Petty in three words. Well, we've kind of
1: touched on it already, but I've thrown in a, a, a bit of a specific thing. I'm going to call it Best American Songwriter. I think he's definitely the best songwriter of all time, but that's so many words, but definitely the best American songwriter for me. So, yeah, Best American Songwriter.
0: I like it. And I, I get, often get into arguments about, if, you know, as a Tom Petty or Bruce Springsteen, and you know, I'm usually in the minority. Springsteen has a a, a bit more in terms of fan base, um, yeah. but then you could throw Dylan in there as well. So it's a it's a good crew. But I you know, I, I agree with you, Tom Petty.
1: What song, would be? It would be,
0: no, be really interesting is to actually get. I should do a bit of troll around
1: the net and get a good crossover episode to get someone from Dylan's a Dylan podcast and someone from a Springsteen podcast and specifically compare their late stage careers. Cause that's where Tom Petty pulls ahead for me, where Dylan kind of, you know, the last four or five Dylan albums were, they're still fine. There's nothing wrong with them, but they're nowhere near the same level of quality or adventurousness that Tom had on his later stage, you know, Mojo. Okay. Well, you know, I'm this established guy, but we're going to go into the studio and we're going to record all these songs live. So we're going to have to play the shit out of them and learn them so we've got them down pat, like hundred percent record recording level quality, and we're going to go do that. Oh, and by the way, we're going to go and do it in um, our clubhouse, not a studio, you know. And then, and then they're getting hypnotic high, where he changes gears again and goes back to a really hard edged rock and roll. And I don't remember Dylan, Springsteen, you know, any of those guys taking those chances later in their career. And I think that that's one of the things that's always tipped it for Tom for me. And I was looking
0: at, uh, Springsteen's record sales in terms of platinum, five times platinum, whatever. And he was ahead of Tom for most of the seventies and eighties. And then Tom with full moon fever, uh, into the great wide open, uh, wildflowers had a stage to his career that commercial stage to his career that I don't think Bruce had in the late eighties, early nineties. And I think that is uh certainly something that needs to be considered yeah uh even though uh back in the 70s and 80s uh springsteen sold a lot more records i would say twice as many records just off the top of my head as, as tom petty but yeah. I, you know i think you have to look at full moon fever into the great wide open take into context the wildflowers yeah. the late 30s 40s output for for tom just incredible well and do people throw in the wheelbridge as well because those albums were big, man. They sold a lot of
1: records, those two, those two albums. So I don't know if people do sort of count those in. But the other thing I'd say is, I mean, aside from sales and you know, concert size and those kinds of things, I look at as a as a songwriter, I don't think and again, I've actually someone reached out to me by email <laughs> a few months ago saying, Hey, I heard you sort of you know bashing the boss a little bit. Like, wow, well, I'm not I hope it doesn't come across that way because I love Springsteen. I think he's a great artist. There's no what well, I mean he is, there's no question about that, but I don't think he's got as many looks as Tom Petty does. I don't think that there's the variety of styles of songs, the, the variety of sonics, the variety of subject, because like, Springsteen writes about Jersey and he nails the shit out of it. He's brilliant at that. And he's got, you know, like Secret Garden and Philadelphia and some of those other things. But I don't think he's got the same um, range of uh, styles that he can do that Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers had. Not even close
0: the guy I frequently argue with about this is a neighbor and we're actually going to see Springs uh, Springsteen. We got pit tickets to yeah. see him in December. So I, uh, it's my, it'll be my first time seeing uh, the boss live. So I'm, ex- I mean, I'm excited about that. I mean, I've sure. always been a, you know, casual fan of, of his, but um, yeah, I was always more know. or
1: less a greatest hits fan. And then I've, I've gone back and listened to, you know, Green smash reports, a great album. Born to run is born to run really is a really good album. Is it better than wildflowers? Not in my opinion. Is it better than full moon fever? Not in my opinion,
0: right? So there's, I don't know, but like I said, it's subjective, right? It's also subjective. Yeah. I think he owned, I think he owned the East coast and the Midwest. And I think Tom owned on the, uh, on the South the West, the West coast and yeah. some of the Midwest. So I think that's just kind of how it broke down. There's more people in the, more people in the upper, in the, in the East coast. <laughs> down all right, well, that's a, that's our time. Uh, what is it? The the blue eyed, or the blue belly devils, blue belly devils. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That's our time. Uh, So, so thank you, Kevin, for being uh, a guest on your own podcast. Uh, (laughs) I appreciate talking to you about the podcast. Thank you again for uh, rolling out this project and uh, putting all this work in. It's great talking to you every few months about the, uh, about each album. And we're really getting into uh, the the meat of uh, Tom's uh, discography coming up here. So I'm excited about that. Uh, Until we meet again, keep listening to and sharing Tom's music. Uh, Try to be kind. Try to say "I love you" to someone at least once a day. Stay safe and healthy. And Kevin will be back next week to discuss. Oh,
1: I don't know what's. I'm not too sure exactly what the sequence is. I can't remember. It might be. It might be a guest episode actually. I think it might end up being a guest episode. So we'll see.
0: Anyway, he'll be back next week with something. <laughs>